Well, happy Father's Day to all of the dads. I don't know how your day started, but I washed my car last night, got it all ready. The rain's done, got up this morning, and a bird completely covered. And I, I lost time just cleaning that off to get here. And my week actually didn't start out too well. I mean, I mean, I mean, first of all, let's talk about hockey for just a moment. And uh, I thank you for your condolences, my Boston Bruins lost. But there is an upside to this. The Boston Bruins unlike the blue and white team, have a Stanley Cup photo in color. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You let that sink in. And on Wednesday night, I'm, I'm in a hospital visiting one of our congregants, and I wiped out in the hospital, and I sprained my knee. I went flying in the air, and people are coming alongside me to help me. And it was embarrassing, but I'm doing okay. Well, I am so glad that every single one of you are here today. And for a couple of moments, I want to talk to you about a father's influence. And we're going to bring up a panel of five guys. They should open a restaurant, five guys. And uh, they're going to come up in a little bit. And we're going to have opportunity for, for interaction. You look on the front of the bulletin, you're going to see a number you can text. And look at the front of the bulletin. You can text that number at any point with a question about fathering, about husbandhood, about men. And just, just we, want to, we, want to, we want to have some dialogue in a few moments of how we can up our game as men, up our game as dads, up our game as fathers and grandfathers. And just learn and interact from one another. But I want to take you for a few moments to an amazing passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you brought your Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to talk to you about a father's influence. Everybody in this room, whether you are male or female, have influence. You are influencing someone. Is your influence good? Is your influence bad? Is your influence positive, or is your influence negative? There's a man in the Bible, his name is Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul. He was an apostle. And he wrote half the New Testament. And he started churches. He started a church in a, in a great city called Thessalonica. Thessalonica was an urban center. It was a multicultural center. It was the capital of, of Macedonia. And in Acts chapter 17, he goes there. And a church begins in Thessalonica. And he's there. And he's visiting it. And he's pouring into them. And then he writes these two letters, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. And it almost feels like in 1 Thessalonians, he's trying to, 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 to correct a perception where some people thought that his visit to them was in vain and it wasn't good. So he uses the word, you know, that our visit to you was not in vain. And there were some people that even accused him of using flattery and trickery to minister to them. And he said, you know, that's not the case. You know. And the Greek word for know that he uses here means you perceive, you understand. And then he talks about how he loved on the Thessalonian church like a mother would nurse her children. And he says how we cared so intimately and closely to each one of you. But now we come to our text, and it's really just two verses, and it's verse 11 and verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at it, please. You'll see it on the screen. He said, for you, you know, you perceive, you understand, you get it, you know that we dealt. And the ancient Greek word for dealt means we interacted with you. We dealt with you. We, we, we rubbed shoulders with you. We did life with you. We dealt with you. We were in your life. He said, for you know that we dealt with each of you. And in the ancient Greek, it's so emphatic. Each of you means every single one of you. 
Paul was saying that myself and Timothy, my spiritual son, and Silas, and, and others of us dealt with you individually and cared for you individually. He said, for you know, for you know, that we dealt with each of you as a father. And he uses a Greek word for father, that's the word pater. He said, we, we interacted with each of you just like a father interacts and deals with his own children. And then we come to verse number 12. And this is the verse that I want to camp on for a moment. And he mentions three things that he did to the church, to the people in Thessalonica, how he dealt with them individually. And I want, to, want you to see these three words. Number one, encouraging. Number two, comforting. And number three, urging. Encouraging, comforting, and urging. And please notice the I-N-G at the end of each of these words, which means Paul said, we didn't just do it once. We kept on encouraging, and we kept on comforting, and we kept on urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. You see, Paul was like a spiritual father. We live in a generation and in a world that is broken. And many children, many of you never had an earthly father that was a good model to you. But you've got Heavenly Father that is a perfect model. And I thought if we could be like Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father like earthly son, earthly daughter. But today I believe what Paul did to the church in Thessalonica, he wants all of us to do to one another. He wants us to to encourage one another, to comfort one another, and to urge one another. So what are the three truths that I want to leave you with before I bring up the panel? Number one, write this in your notes. We need encouragement. And I'll tell you why. Because at times, we are discouraged. I mean, if we're honest, the big D word today is discouragement. And many people get discouraged. And it's interesting that Paul uses a word, encouragement, that almost sounds like paraclete. And you might not know the word paraclete, but paraclete is an ancient Greek word that is a descriptive word of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit has been called in the Gospel of John the paraclete, which means the helper. And here Paul picks up a Greek word that uses the same root of paraclete. And it actually means encouragement. There's a man in the Bible named Barnabas. And Barnabas was a, was a name that he was given, but he was nicknamed the son of encouragement. You see, that ancient Greek word that comes from the paraclete word that means encouragement means to come alongside Someone to come alongside. That's what Paul did to everyone in the church of Thessalonica. And he put courage into them. I think the best illustration I could offer you today would be like us in a race and we're running and we're giving it our all. And at some point, one of us trips and falls. And instead of running by them going, too bad, I feel bad for you, but I want to win this race. Encouragement means to slow down and stop and pick them up. And help them to run the race and put courage back into them. You see, life in the Christian realm is not meant for negativity. It's meant for positivity. 
We need to be a place where we lift people up, not put people down. And the truth is, all of us need encouragement because at times we get discouraged. There's probably many of you sitting here today, you're discouraged with life, discouraged with your marriage, discouraged with your family, discouraged with your job, discouraged with your finances, discouraged with stuff in life. I'm here to say to you that God the Father wants to put new courage in you today. And we want you to not be discouraged, but to be encouraged. The second thing that Paul said, not only did we keep on encouraging you, but comforting and the second truth that I want to I offer to you today about comfort is we need comfort because at times we are hurting. We're hurting. And it's amazing you see this exact same Greek word, comfort, was used when Jesus showed up in Bethany to Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus had died. You know the story. And the Bible says that Jesus showed up and he gave them, he gave them, he gave them comfort. Why? Because they were hurting. I look out today and I see a lot of people in this nine o'clock service and there's people that are watching right now on live streaming. But I want every lady to hear what I'm about to say. Because it's Father's Day, I need to sound this, that many men are broken men. And some of you have married a man that is so broken and so wounded. And as a pastor for 34 years, I've discovered that many men are wounded walking men. Bringing their hurts and their pain and their brokenness into their adulthood and into their marriage. And the truth is, most men just want to be a good godly man and a good father and a good husband and a good person, but they're struggling and they're hurting. And I'm here to say that Paul showed up in Thessalonica and he comforted those that were hurting. And it's interesting, that paraclete word where we get the word encouragement is actually the same paraclete root word that is used here for comfort. In other words, encouragement and comforting is a ministry of Holy Spirit, which is God and needs to be the ministry of all of us today. Giving comfort because many are hurting. We need encouragement because at times we're discouraged. And we need comfort because at times we are hurting. But there's one more thing that Paul said, and I close with this. He teaches us that we need direction. We really need direction. I'll tell you why. Because at times we're drifting We're drifting off the course of life. We're drifting off the teaching of God's word. Now, in the NIV, it says encouraging, comforting, and urging. And urging simply means, in the original Greek, an earnest appeal. It means a call. It means a witness. It means a testimony. It means I'm calling you to get back on track. I want to guide you, and I want to correct you. Hear me, friends. This younger generation wants our generation to show them the way of truth and point them in the right direction and live a life that matches the words that we are saying. And in today's society that sometimes can be drifting so slowly away from the truth of God's word, can I remind you? That greater than Dr. Dobson and greater than any teacher or counselor, the best advice, the best manual of parenthood and fatherhood comes from the pages of God's Word. May we not drift from it, but may you dads point your children 
and live it out to the truth of God's word. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, you know that we dealt with each of you as a father, a potter deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you. In fact, in the original Greek, encouraging you, comforting you, and urging you to live lives, to walk a life that is worthy of God. Now, before I close, worthy comes from the balancing scale analogy. The balancing scale analogy. Picture a scale with weights on it. And on the one side is God, and on the other side is us. And worthy means that the scale is balanced. It means that we're living in a balanced life with God. Paul is calling the church in Thessalonica, we're urging you to live a balanced life of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so today we want to encourage you, and we want to help you. And so I want to invite the five guys that just might open up a restaurant someday to come and join me on the platform. Mike, Ben, Coley, Blair, Derek, and Hal. Would you give these guys a shout out as they come on the platform? Come on up, guys. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. We could do better than that. Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. Take a seat. We have strategically and specifically chosen these, these five guys to be a part of this journey and this interaction. Please take another look at the front of the bulletin of how you can text questions. And uh, we're going to receive them. They're going through a couple of my pastors who are sending them to me. They're texting them to me. And uh, questions are already coming in. At any point, if you want to text a question, do that. If you didn't bring your phone, borrow the phone from someone beside you. But let me introduce this, guys. This is Mike. We're not going to give last names. We're live streaming, but this is Mike. And uh, Mike, you're, you're a good father. Not one of these guys are perfect fathers. They're not here to say they're perfect, but you're a good father. And you've done an amazing job raising two incredible girls, and we're glad to have you today. Ben Coley, you're a good father. And man, you look sharp. I didn't get the memo for the tie today, but you look sharp. Doesn't he look sharp, guys? And Ben Coley is an amazing father, but he's also a part of, of a ministry that's been developing called The Code. And if you pull out your bulletin, you'll see about The Code. And we got some guys in our church that are part of The Code, and it really is a ministry to, to help young men who don't have that, that father figure. And it's godly guys coming alongside young men to help them. And we got a table in the lobby you can drop by after the service. You might want to be part, guys, of The Code, being like a spiritual mentor to to guys in their journey. Or you might be a single mom here today and you've got children that that you're like, wow, I wish there was a godly model, a godly person dropped by the table. Blair, Grandpa Blair, love you, buddy. You're an amazing father, an amazing grandfather, and you've got lots of wisdom to offer today. And thank you for being a part of this. This is Derek. And Derek's story is a little different than others. Because when Derek was about 10 years of age, marriage broke up and father left the scene. And so he was raised in a home where father wasn't there. And Derek, I honor you today because there's a lot of people here today where they're going, my dad wasn't around. Am I going to make it? Well, you've made it. And you're a great husband. And you're a great father. And I'm so glad that you chose to be part of this. And I honor you today. I really do. Yeah. This is my friend, Hal. I met Hal, who was on the pastoral search committee. 
And when Evelyn and I came up and interviewed, we stayed in your house, and he shared some of his journey. And we won't unpack it all, but he went through a difficult divorce. And it wasn't easy. It, it wasn't easy. And you walked a journey, and God brought your wife, Janet, into your life. And I see love, and I see honor, and it's amazing. And God has blessed you, too, with a son, Matthew. And you have other children as well from first marriage. And so there's a bit of a blended feel there. But also, you work in life groups, and you've been leading our blended family life group. And we got many blended families. So each of these guys have a lot to offer. They have no clue what questions are going to be asked. And uh, neither do I, by the way. And so I'm just going to take a seat here and uh, send the questions in, and, and here it goes. Okay, here's a question right here. Um, could you describe some of your personal role models when it comes to being the best... I'm sorry, my phone just locked. Technology. Could you describe some of your personal role models when it comes to being the best dad that you can be? Who are your role models? And, and Derek, I know someone's got to be first, and you're probably hoping it wasn't you. And, uh, but, but because, Derek, you were raised in a home environment where father was off the scene as a young guy, who were the role models? What did that mean to you? Just hold the mic nice and close and share with us. We'd love to hear. Well, I, um, I have two older sisters, and... Uh, there's about nine and ten years between me and them, and so they uh, they married um, obviously like a lot later, or I guess when while I was young. So uh, I would say my two brother-in-laws they would would have been um, the ones that were really there for me through my teenage years, and uh, two I've got an uncle too from my uh, my mom's side, and it's not that they had like a like a schedule that they come and pick you up every weekend or anything like that. It was just, they would just be, be there at different times and you'd kind of look at them and, and pattern your life after them and, and you'd kind of pick out the, the things that you liked and thought, hey, I, I'm going to do that or I'm going to aim for that when I'm, when I'm their age sort of thing. So, yeah. Derek, were you starving for the father's affirmation when you're a young guy? Like, I see my buddies with their dad saying, way to go, you can do it. Was there a part of you that was looking for that? Just unpack that for a moment. Uh, I don't really th- think so. Like, that was just kind of life. Like, that's... It was, it was your norm. Yeah. Yeah, like, you, you had friends, too, that didn't have dads, and you just kind of you hung out with them, and that was just the norm. And then, I mean, when you get older, and then you realize, like, you have your own kids, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe that wasn't normal, or what you had, uh, what you thought. But that, that was just life. That's how, how it was. Yeah. I think of the scripture where Jesus was baptized in water and the heavens opened and God the Father said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And somehow I think, Derek, the reason, one of the reasons why you weren't starving for is because you received it from other guys. People spoke into your life. And guys, you can never tell your kids you love them too much. You can't, you can't OD on that. And you keep telling them that you love them, you're proud of them. If Jesus needed those words from God the Father, you need it. Now, single moms, you're thinking, well, my kids don't have that daddy figure. and You can't be dad, but you keep telling your children that you love them and you're proud of them. And drop by the table the code. I think it'll be a great help. So I'm going to go to another question. Thank you, Derek. Was there any part of your parenting that you or your wife weren't in line on? <laughs> yeah, 
You know, you guys, come on, let's just be honest. You know, you're kind of making a decision. You weren't on the same page. How did you handle that? That's open to any one of these guys on the panel. Who will take that one? You're, you, you weren't in line on. You didn't see eye to eye. How did you handle that? Somebody better answer this. I can take a shot at that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brave Van (laughs) Coley. I want to hear this, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's uh, it's when we have the children and uh, they're getting to their own teen years and they have all these excellent ideas and they think they know everything, right? And uh, they have this tendency to say, okay, uh, I'm going to go to this parent because this is the soft parent, this is the harsh parent. And so that was a kind of pattern we had to deal with. Now I'm generally the, the bad guy, you know, and then they have the, the mom will, will, will give them soft landing. And that was one point that uh, I kind of said, look, we don't have to indulge them. And then uh, I want us to put some discipline and some kind of uh, structure in their life. And so that's something that we kind of walked our way through. And one thing is uh, we, we, we agree that, you know, we will never argue in their front. We will meet behind and talk about things and so on. So that was how we walked through that. I know she has a softer spot for the children, and I tend to be the one that's saying, no, the, the harder type, but not in a, in a bad way, but just to put some structure and discipline in their lives. That's good advice. And I, I don't know if you caught it, but, but they, come on, that's good advice. Like, you know, our kids will play us, come to, don't get what they want from me, go to Evelyn, and y- y'all get that. And then we don't see eye to eye, but we always, like you, dealt with our disagreements in private. So we come on the same page so that they would, our kids would hear in stereo, hear in stereo. That's good. Um, here's a good one. Do what I say, not what I do. Do what I say, not what I do or what I did. How, how, did, how did you handle this conflict? Uh, surely you don't want your kids doing everything that you did. You know, if your kids ever come to you and said, yeah, but, but Daddy, did you? And you, do you talk about it? Do you share it? Do you openly tell your kids your mistakes? Uh, you know, kids are smart. They can call us on it and say, yeah, but you're not doing this yourself, Dad. How do you handle when your child says, do what I do, not what I say, and, and you're not really modeling it fully, and we certainly don't want our kids doing everything that we did. How do you handle that? So keep the questions coming, by the way, folks. Who wants to answer this one? <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> go for it, Mike. Go back to Ben Coley's question if we have time as well. <clears throat> kids are really smart, and, um, and they can see... Um, they can see behind the veil, so to speak, as to what's really going on and picking things up. And uh, I'd like to say I came from a perfect family, but that's not the case. And uh, uh, it was a great family to have been raised in, but it wasn't a perfect family. And so we're still on a learning journey. Um, We'll be married 25 years this coming week, and we're still learning. I I, I wish I could say... um, today that I did things differently uh, 20 years ago with kids, um, but that's not the case, and uh, I have to own it. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, learning daily and uh, trying to be a better father, 
And so that, um, that's just a little bit of the rawness of, of what I deal with. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's so critical to put your um, uh, actions and words have to line up. And, uh, and that wasn't always the case, even in our parenting. Uh, going back to what Bank Oli was saying, um, uh, we, uh, the, the girls quickly picked up that one of us may react quicker than the other. I'm, uh, I'm more of a slow reaction person. Um, this is a bit of a stretch for me as well. The only thing I knew is that we were going to be sitting up on stools today. And uh, at my age, this was a little bit of a chore to get up here onto this stool. But um, um, the, the girls quickly picked up... Uh, you know, how things were going to go. And uh, I think one of the critical things is to have a discussion behind closed doors with your spouse um, and not in front. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. That's good advice. Did any of you guys have a moment where you knew you blew it? I mean, if you could turn the clock back, you'd have done it differently. You had to go to your kids and say, Dad was wrong. I'm sorry. Any of you guys? Any of you guys? Anyone want to tell us that story? Because it, it'll encourage, right? Like, did you, did you ever blow it? You ever make a mistake and go, I had, to, I had to go back to my kids and say I was wrong. How did that go? Did you have that moment? Could you share it today? Any, any of you guys who haven't shared yet? That, that narrows it down to Blair or Hal. I'll take a stab at it as well. I, I've blown it many times in life. And uh, a lot of the times are from before I had children. And uh, sometimes, and my son said, make sure you have a filter on today, Dad. So I, I, I'm doing my best, son. But anyway, often we'll be sitting around the table or something and having a discussion, and it'll bring to mind some of the things I've done when I was their age. And I might bring up the lighter sides of those things. And uh, as, as an example to say, I used to do that, and maybe I had fun at the time, but here was the outcome. Uh, so try not to do what I did back then, and things will go a lot better. So it's kind of like a preempting, but uh, I have had times where, um, because I'm a bit of an emotional person, and sometimes I, uh, the mouth gets engaged before the brain is in gear, and, and I'll, I may say some things, and then later I'll think about it and go... I wish I didn't say that. That may have crushed his spirit or, mm. or something of that nature, and I'll reflect on it. And, and then um, I, I find it's really good at moments like that is to come alongside your son or your daughter and humble yourself and say, you know, back then I did or said that with you, and uh, I'm seeing that now, and I am so sorry. Uh, please forgive me. You know... One of the things that, uh, when I look back, my dad was a workaholic, and he wasn't there, but I knew he loved us. And he worked so hard, and his expression of love was putting food on the table and a roof over our heads. And uh, But the big thing that was missing was time with my dad. Um, I don't say this in disrespect to him, because he was doing his best. And I was reflecting on that this morning at and I recognized the word, love conquers all. And in spite of what I was missing, the love covered all of that. But I learned from it, and I said, God, help me to use that was, which was missing and help me to fill in the blanks of what my dad didn't have. 
and I can't do it without God's help. Man, that's a good, good word. Thank you, Hal. Good word. Keep, keep the questions coming, all right? You keep feeding us the questions. All right, here's, here's another one. And, and Blair, maybe you can help us with this one. In the age of social media and internet, how do you overcome the urge to compare your family to others? I mean, you know, there's that, that, that social media creates an urge like, we got to be like that family. How do, you, how do you, how did you not get in the trap of comparing your family to someone else's family? How do you do that? Okay. Um, well, all our children have left but probably by the age of when I was 50 because our, our, all our grandchildren have come since then. So now we have grandchildren using social media along with our children, so it's, it's a little different. Um, so I guess we, we kind of watch in what social media we watch. We, you know, we just see what... Um, what they're putting on, if, 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 if they are on, we do see what they put on. And uh, I think I'm very happy that we're not caught up in that, and we don't all seem to be caught up in that. I mean, we do share, we share our lives a bit with friends, close friends, but you can see where it's a real problem. Um, I mean, they can have so many friends that their time can get be totally absorbed by it, and I think it, it's, it can be a dangerous thing. So I think it's just trying to be an example to, to them and encourage them not to get, get caught up in it. Yeah, not, not to compare. Blair, as you were talking, another question came in that, that's good for you to answer. What are some of the rewards and the challenges of being a grandfather? Like, there's grandfathers here today. And there's future grandfathers here. What are the rewards, but what are the challenges? Um, the, the, re- the rewards are really amazing. Uh, like every, the, the normal is, that, yeah, you can have them over, get them wound up, and send them home, and uh, <laughs> it's not your problem. And I think that's what every grandparent looks forward to. Um, the rewards are amazing in uh, sharing your lives with them. Um, I never had, uh, my, both my grandparents had died, be- grandfathers had died before I was born, so I never experienced a grandfather. Um, but I always thought, what, would I, what do I want to experience with my grandkids? I want to spend that time with them. I want to sh- share my belief with them and make sure that, that, they follow, that they follow the Lord, that become Christians. And we've got eight grandchildren, and we can happily say all eight of them are saved. And uh, so that's amazing. Um, the, 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 I, don't, I don't know if there are any downfalls. Then downfalls. I mean, downfall in the sense that you, you've got now somebody else to worry about. I mean, we, we had three kids to worry about. Now we've got uh, eight grandchildren, three grand, grand, uh, son-in-laws to worry about, or pray for. I shouldn't say worry about, pray for, but be concerned about. Uh, so it ex- expands your thought of, you know, I've got to pray for this and everything else. But uh, to me, it's just been such a blessing to be able to share my life, uh, share the Lord with them, see them grow. And uh, the most amazing thing is when you know your grandchild has accepted the Lord. Yeah. And you, you see it and you say, you know, you realize what the Lord did to you. But when you see your grandchild, uh, and it's like seeing your children and then seeing your grandchildren, the, the Holy Spirit in them is just unbelievable joy. Yeah. Never stop praying for them. Never, never stop pointing pointing. Them to God. I think if the only downfall of grandparent is this, you haven't got the same energy, right? Jack Hayford wrote a poem. He said, I've seen the lights of Paris and I've seen the lights of Rome, 
but the best lights I've ever seen are the taillights of the kids taking the grandkids home. <laughs> and you get tired, but, but it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it. Give Ben Coley, talk to us about the code, because we alluded to the code, and, and so just, just take a moment, tell us a little more about it. Like how, can, how can we be involved? Yes, uh, so uh, I'm really privileged and honored to be a part of this organization, an organization that recognizes the need to mentor young men to become, uh, uh, young lads to become men of God, and uh, especially for young people that do not have a, a, a male influence in their life. Uh, some of them are coming from the point of uh, a, a single mom, you know, or they just found themselves in the situation that there's an absentee father. So this organization uh, brings these young people together and matches them up with uh, men, men of God that want to be involved in, in, in pouring into the lives of these uh, uh, young people. Um, I learned of the code about uh, two years ago, right here in this church, during a Promise Keepers event. And there was a booth set up behind there. I went to talk to them. And prior to that, the Lord had been laying it on my heart about just putting, just mentoring young men especially. I have three daughters. Uh, It's not as if I miss anything, no. But uh, uh, just remembering how I grew up in a family of uh, five boys and I know how that could be. Uh, I had, my dad was there and all of that. But now I, I know how much active we were and how much we could be at times with my mom when my, my dad was not around. Now I'm looking at, uh, if you have a mom that doesn't even have a, a dad around to support the children, I can only imagine what, what, what it would be like. So that, those are some of the things that motivated me to, to be part of this organization so I could join them in uh, partnering with a single mom to, to pour into the lives of their, of their young people. And uh, we have a, a stand set up at the, at the uh, foyer over there if anyone is interested in, in being part of the code. I assure you it's, it's worthwhile and uh, it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity to, to pass on what God has put into you to other people. So that's really all. And I can answer more questions definitely at the end. That's awesome. So if people want, yeah, come on, that's worth, that's worth celebrating. So guys, guys, if you want to be a part of being like a spiritual father, with a great opportunity, or maybe single moms today, you've got, you got kids, how, how can we help? Drop by the table. And we believe in this ministry, Van Coley. I don't know if you even know this, but we, we're going to make a financial donation to this ministry as a church, because on Father's Day, we always want to give towards something. And we're grateful. And there's other guys in our congregation that are part of the code already, and I'm hoping there's a lot more. A question just came in, and, and I thank you, whoever this was. This, all these questions are great. But here's a prodding question as a wife. So a wife is sending this question. What can we do as a wife to help you be the best dad you can be? Oh, yeah. So take it away, guys. Well, for me, the most important thing a wife can do is uh, encourage. Encouragement goes such a long way because the minute a a man hears encouragement from his wife, it challenges him inside to say, oh yeah? You think that's something? Wait till you see what's next. (laughs) 
But I have learned if a wife tears her husband down, demeans him, humiliates him, embarrasses him, she actually uh, steps on the hose that feeds what she needs the most, and that's love. Um, it says a foolish woman tears down her own house, and sometimes they're not aware of it because they're taken away by emotion. But if they speak discouraging things and, and dishonor their husband, they end up ruining the thing they want the most, and that's his love. So I would just encourage wives to encourage their husbands and just see where that goes. You know, you think of that word we looked at, Hal. That was good. Encouraging, we learned this morning, comes from the same root as the paraclete, which is one of the names for the Holy Spirit. So that's a great answer. Any, any of the other guys want to chirp in on that? What, what can our wives do to help us guys be the best husband and father? I'll chirp in on that, uh, Hal. That was well said. Uh, we had uh, Gary Chapman here a couple times in the last... Uh, decade or two and uh, uh, love and respect is uh, comes to mind when you're when you're saying this as, as men we need respect and we are to love our, our wives but um, the five love languages that came out of that was quite helpful for us uh, because uh, I may have been thinking I was loving my wife or she may have thought she was loving me in ways that I needed and uh, and it may be so off base that it's not funny. So uh, I would highly recommend that as a, a practical tool for people, couples to use. And um, and uh, it's 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 uh, we we do a uh, a daily devotional right now uh, with that intent. And uh, it it really um, speaks to me. Um, I, I wish I could, you know, take back the past sometimes the way I treated my spouse. Uh, but we're discovering things about each other that um, uh, we're, we're in, in the process of making better and making amends to it. So it's never too late to start, and uh, I would highly encourage that as well. That's, that's good. That's really good. And if Gary Chapman wrote the book, The Five Love Languages, it's worth Googling that and purchasing it or going to our church library and signing it out. It's, it's revolutionary. It, it, it will really, really, really help you. I want to ask another question, guys, and these, thank you. You guys are doing amazing. You really are. How do you teach your kids a balanced work ethic? I mean, I, mean, I, I was raised by a father who was like a, a workaholic, and I carry some of that same trait. And how, how, do, we, how, do, we, how do we get that balance? What do you do? So, so and go ahead, Blair. I, I think it's really balance. Uh, you, you can work hard, but you have to take the time and spend with your kids, uh, and set the time time aside. So it doesn't matter if you have a job that has lots of hours, you have to find time that's not just for you, but it's for you and your children and your grandkids. Because they, whether you give them an hour or two hours, uh, they see it. If you give them nothing, they remember it a long time. So you just really have to balance your time and and give them all the time you can and, and make it a real priority. That's good advice. Anyone else want to chirp in on that? Yeah, I can add to that. Um, I think you model work ethics to your children, and uh, it's, it's something to say, oh, you have to learn to, to, to do this and to do this and to do that, but you model it to them. And uh, uh, just position them to see the, the, the rewards of uh, having a, a good work ethic and, and uh, 
when they see also the result of those in your life, they are more, you are more likely to be a credible person. I mean, you cannot be saying one thing and doing other thing. And uh, in, in this society, I always uh, encourage my children that, uh, you know, you've got to be part of a society. You are bringing something in to the society you belong. And uh, you need to be uh, disciplined. You need to be focused. And all of these things are going to be helpful to you as you grow up uh, to be part of the community, to be part of uh, the, the workforce. You need to develop this thing right from even when you're young. So these are the, some of the things we use to encourage our children to, to, to understand the impact of a very good work ethics in their life. That's good. That's really good. Derek, can I ask you a question? And because you're, you're the one guy on the panel that in that home being raised where father was, was off the scene. And, and I want to camp on that for a few moments because there's a lot of people here today that go, I can relate to that. My dad wasn't on the scene, or even people right here right now, father is not on the scene. And I look at you and I honor you. And, and I, I know this could be, you're the kind of guy that's going to be hard to hear. You, you just don't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it. You're a great father and you're a great husband. And you give us hope. And I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. But what, what advice could you give to those in the house today where dad is not actively a part of the scene. In fact, there's some people here today where dad might be in the house, in body, but not in mind. And he's not in interaction. He's, he's absent. Like, what hope, what, what word, what nugget, what's going through your head right now of how we can help a generation of people that, are, that don't have that father figure there? And uh, just, just anything that's in your spirit that you'd like to share to help us. Well, I mean, as if, if I guess maybe give you two points as a like as a teenager growing up, um, I guess I, I was just just kind of focused on just like just being a teen. I, I wasn't really thinking of, of oh, I'm missing my dad, or that that's, was just kind of life for me. Um, but then uh, being older and then having your own kids, you. Uh, um, I guess I, you just focus on the Lord, and and uh, I would pray lots, and uh, um, I'm kind of drawing a blank here. Uh, yeah, you just, I mean, it, it took me a while to realize, um, I've often heard you, Pastor Mark, saying how much God loved me, and I guess without having a father, I uh, I struggled with that, and I... I mean, I had forgiven my father for leaving, but it took me years and years to uh, kind of believe it in, in my heart. So, um, but with that, uh, I, know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he, uh, he loves me, and I mean, he gives me security and peace, and, uh, and I try to show my own kids that, and... Uh, and just kind of pass that on to, yeah, to like you say the next generation. And but uh, yeah, you just you pray, pray lots, and you put your hope in the Lord. And and uh, as you get older, you realize He's been faithful. Or and I assure you, as I'm sitting here, He's faithful. At, at sometimes when you're in the thick of things, you you wonder where where are you, Lord? 
But as uh, the older I get, and, and you look back and see, oh my, he was, he was there the whole time and works things out according to his plan, just like the Bible says. So, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I answered your question you, correctly. You more than, this is awesome. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I picked up. And there's a word that you said that I think I know we needed to hear, forgiveness. Some of you have been hurt emotionally, maybe even physically, or in other ways by, by dad. Forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness unlocks the freedom. And, and uh, that's the word that I heard, and I want to thank you for sharing that. Our, our time is, is going, but there's one more question I'm going to ask all you guys. And you don't have to answer it in order. Just the first. What, uh, you're all going to want to say God. So we already know that. Here's the question. What value do you want to pass on to your children? So I know we want to say God. So let's just, we know it's God. So let's just leave that one, okay? Because that's, that's the most important one. But what value, maybe in relationship to God, and I think if we, we take a moment to share this, we're going we're gonna to learn a nugget. What value do you want to pass on to your children? If there's a value, what is it? And it might even, might even connect to the God thing, but be more specific. Don't just say God. What would it be? Uh, in my case, I would say uh, just to pursue Christ. Uh, so I didn't have the opportunity as a, a young person to, uh, to attend Sunday school. And so this isn't a Sunday school answer that I'm saying. But I would just say get passionate for Christ, uh, really passionate uh, for Holy Spirit. I learned this later in life, unfortunately, and I, I wish I could have learned it as a, as a teen. And uh, that's what I would say. Uh, and, and I'm so, so proud of our daughters because I, I see the relationship with Christ, and it's not that of mine. It's not that of my Ingrid's. It's not their grandparents. It's their own personal relationship. And to me, that's, that's been the goal of, of my parenting is to see that. And uh, that's... That's a great value. And you, you model that, and it catches. That's great. I, I don't want to take too much time here, but, uh, you know, just uh, as we were worshiping today, Pastor Brad and team, that was just so awesome. Like, every song today, I, I felt, was a prayer to God the Father. Yeah. Just reaching, reaching us, right? And Pastor Mark, you said it so nicely right at, right at the onslaught of, of, I don't know your circumstance. You may uh, have a father who's present or not present and uh, today's a difficult day for a lot of people. And, um, and uh, again, this isn't a Sunday school answer, but it's just, uh, uh, um, you know what? Uh, God has created us, all of us. Um, he loves us. Uh, he's pursuing us. Uh, we serve a risen Savior. He redeems us. Uh, and and it's, it's just not a Sunday school answer, but it's really like, Get passionate for Holy Love Spirit. And, and, and you've been leading us in, in this area for the last uh, months now. And I, I just uh, mm. uh, applaud you for doing that as a body. It's a good answer. All right, who's next? Blair? I, I was thinking the same thing about the songs this morning were amazing. And the, the thing I think that I want, I want for my, my children and my grandchildren is that they know who they are in Christ. And that, that is the, the authority they have in Christ, the, the responsibility they have in Christ, and all that relates to that, that, they, that they, in their lives they will experience it. They won't have doubt of who they are in Christ, that Christ is with them, leading and directing them, 
and is behind them, even if they don't, they don't think he is at a certain point, to me, that's what I want for all of us. That's awesome. It's good advice. Ben Coley. Yes. Uh, yeah, for me, too. I mean, you talked about God, yeah, but we cannot just but, uh, make that a priority. Yes, we want to leave a godly legacy. But apart from that, too, I want my, my children to, to be compassionate. I want them to care for people around them. I want them to to leave something positive with every relationship they make or every contact they make in life. And uh, that's something that uh, I, I think will gladden my heart, that you're leaving behind children that will care about other people around them. And uh, I also encourage them to be true to who they are. You know, you don't have to conform to this and this and that. Just be true to who you are. That's good advice. That's great. Wow. Well, Derek, why don't you go? Uh, I would say I would probably want my kids to have a, uh, like a, like a full dependency on, on the Lord, like a full confidence in him because, I mean, we don't know what life brings, and when uh, tough times come, I would say just have a full, uh, yeah, full dependency on God to see you through it. It's great value. Thank you. It's awesome. Hal? Well, I would... Always hope that my children would do all things with integrity uh, mm-hmm. and honesty, that people can look to them and say, I need to go to them to get a word or to get something done. We can't do it without being led by the Spirit, and that's a daily choice. We can be Christians, but if we get up and start running without checking with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit that day, we will fall short. And that, that's every day. That's swimming against the current every day until you don't know any other way to swim. So I would encourage them that way and uh, help them to know that even when they fail, and they will, because we will face trials of many kinds. You have, you will, I will. But God's in the business of redeeming it because the enemy intends to harm us, but God intends it for good, the saving of many lives. So our failings can be used to help others who have fallen in those areas. And if we use that, that is true integrity. And I believe that God smiles when we get up and run with those failings and redeem them. Isn't that awesome? Just good advice. I don't know if you caught this, but those three words, encouraging, comforting, and urging, came out from you guys. So would you thank the panel today? They've done amazing. You guys can go. Thank you. Come on, everybody on your feet. There's something we want to do before we close. Everybody on your feet. So here it goes. You're a guy. No matter what age, I want you to leave where you're standing. Come stand at the front. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Every guy way up in the balcony. Come on, guys. Come on, ladies. Shout on the man. Come on. Now, as the guys are coming up, I want you to notice something. There's a denominator in most churches that there's a lot more ladies than guys. I'm glad to say, not at Woodville. Come on. Come on. Get real close. Get real close. Come on. That song about the love of God that you led us in the end. Oh, how he loves us. Just start playing that if you would. Come on, guys. Come on, guys, get real close. Nobody in the aisle. You guys over there, move over there. There's some guys there. Now, ladies, you've got a high-pitched, loud, 
soprano, second soprano, maybe even third soprano voice. I want you as loud as you can. I mean real loud, not inside voice, outside voice. Shout on the men at the front because we believe in these guys. There's single men, married men, grandmas, grandpas I should say. There's, there's guys of all ages standing up here. And there's an army of young boys right now in the back rooms. And every one of us gets our model of God the Father from our earthly father. And I'm not looking at perfect men. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, you don't have a perfect pastor. But I just want to be a guy that's passionate for Jesus. And I want to say to every man at the front, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. So ladies, high-pitched, loud voice. Are you ready? One, two, three. All right, guys, if you want to be a passionate, devout follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to give that great, big, loud, deep, yeah. Come on, we can do the yeah. Not yeah. Yeah! One, two, three. Yeah! We can do better than that, guys. Come on, one, two, three. Yeah! I want to pray for all of these guys before we go, but before I close in prayer, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I, I can't not do this. I need to do this before we go. Whether you're male or female, you're standing here today and if today was the day that you died and stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? And I believe that there's a number of you right now in this auditorium and a number of you watching on live streaming, you can't answer that question with a yes. Heaven is real and God is real. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus and the way to heaven is through a personal relation with God through Jesus Christ. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one is looking. But if you're standing here today and you're like, I, I never looked at it that way. And I, I'm not sure if I'm ready for heaven, but I want to be. Guys, girls, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make it right with Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you, if you'd like to, I invite Christ to be the center of your life, to be your Savior and your Lord, just to lift your hand after I count to three. And after I count to three, by lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I, I want to be led into prayer to be ready for heaven, to have Christ in the center of my life. So if you want to do that, I'm going to count to three. You lift your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, you just lift your hand as high as you can. By lifting your hand, you're letting me know, I want Christ in my life. Hands are going up. God bless you. You can put your hand down. If you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I receive you in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I make my peace with you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes and celebrate salvations, all right? Now, if you prayed that prayer, in just a couple of minutes when we walk out, go to the wall that says follow. Friendly people there. We got a Bible for you. We got a a little booklet for you. We want to help you in your new faith journey. If you don't attend a Bible-believing, life-giving church, we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey. If you're a guest, in a few moments, go to the guest lounge. You want to get in a connect group, go to the connect wall. If you want to serve, go to the serve wall. But guys, before we close, 
I want every man at the front, just lift your hands high if you would. I want to pray for you. And ladies, would you extend your hands towards these guys? Father God, I pray for every man standing at the front of this auditorium right now. I pray that you, oh God, would let them know today that you love them so much. That God, that every man standing at the front would know that you believe in them. I pray that not one man standing at the front would feel like a failure or a mistake or a loser. Or that God, I pray that they would feel like a million dollars today. I pray that they would know that they are a child of the living God. I pray that God, instead of them listening to the lies of the devil, they would listen to the truth of God's Word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would energize them. I pray that you would encourage them today to be godly men. I pray for every man that's married to be a godly husband. I pray for every man that's a father to be a godly father. Every man that's a grandfather to be a a godly grandfather. I pray for every man that is hurting today because they're walking through something. Fill them with hope in the name of Jesus. I pray for every man that's not married. I pray that they would pursue Sue someone if they want to get married that's a godly believer. I pray blessing over every man in this place. So God, on this Father's Day, before we close, I want to thank you that you're our Abba Father. Come on, ladies, lift up your hands now. And I pray, God, that you'd wrap your arms around every man, every woman in this place. And on this Father's Day, we honor you, Abba God the Father. It's really about you. And we give you the glory and the praise and the thanks. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, we're Put your hands together and honor our God Almighty. Come on, come on, honor our God Almighty. I can't think of a better song as we walk out than that song about the love of the Father. So Brad, just lead us in it. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.